work of the Holy Spirit. Can you sense from some of the things we heard this morning from the Holy Spirit that He's working on us? He's tr you're trying to challenge us. Look, I've given you everything you need to be victorious. Are you? Are you? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I have to go before he can come. But when he comes, what's he going to do for us? All kinds of cool stuff. Like counselor, defender, guide us into all truth, all the above. And remind us of things that we might have forgotten. Especially in the heat of the battle. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The work of the Holy Spirit is all about the Holy Spirit. And He lives where? In us. We ought to be excited about that. Ought to be. I say ought to be because some of us are like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I really like sharing this with Him. He's pretty demanding. He expects stuff from me. Hello? We're going to talk about that today. So the work of the Holy Spirit in, in a subtitle is, if you didn't already figure it out, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, if you have your swords with you, you can open those up or your iPhones. The Apostle Paul said, so Christ has set us free. Everybody say, I'm free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said that. Don't go back and try to do things your way, man's way. Don't do that. If you're set free, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And who gives us the Holy Spirit? Jesus. All right? So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus baptizes us. It's because of Jesus that we have the Holy Spirit. Stay on track. Do it God's way. This is what Paul's saying, in, in, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, obviously, condensing it, Galatians 5. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. You see, there are a lot of people that think, well, I'm forgiven, so I can just go do whatever hell wants me to do and get away with it. Well, that's the wrong way to think. It's like, all right, if Jesus did this, well, how far can I go with this? And you keep moving the boundary further and further and further. Years ago, my son had a cat. His name was Solomon. Big black male 20-pounder. I mean, he was a big cat. They had declawed his front claws, but he still had his rears. And he, they started letting him out at my house, and he started going out. And every morning, as he hunted through the night, he would bring little morsels back and lay them at the front door. They were voles. You know what a vole is? Like, it looked like, kind of like a mouse, cross between a mouse and a, one of those little things that go through the ground so every day he did this for almost a month and, and I realized that man we had a lot of voles and he caught them all close to the house so guess what he did he started going further out further out further out from our house to catch those little varmints that he loved to bring why he liked to bring them to us I don't know they were gross but he'd leave them little treats at the door every morning. There, there they'd be. In about six weeks-ish, middle of the night, light rain. And I also had another cat. He was mine, Crash. Older cat. He had all his claws. And they would do this together. They would hunt. I don't know if they hunted as a team or how they did it. Or if Crash just went, what are you doing? But anyway, Solomon was the one that went after the voles. And that night, middle of the night, probably 3 a.m., I heard, and then nothing. Got up in the morning, and I just said to my family, 
you know what? I think we lost a cat last night. And there's Crash, the older one. He's at the door waiting to come in. And as soon as we opened the door, he flew in and ran and hid. I knew something was up. No Solomon. We went and looked. Couldn't find him. Nowhere to be seen. No fur, no sign of anything. So whatever got him took took it all. (laughs) Took the whole cat. Why am I saying that? Because that's what we do. We keep moving the markers, moving the markers, thinking, ah, you know what, I'm safe, I'm all right, nothing's happened yet, nothing's, whoop, whoa, until finally you get far enough out where you become the prey. You should be praying, and you become the prey. So don't be that person. Don't move the boundaries further and further and further out. Listen to what God's Word says. Listen to the Holy Spirit, and use this new freedom to serve. To serve man. To serve the body, your brothers and sisters, and to serve others. In verse 16 of Galatians 5, Paul said, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How many can say amen to that? Who are we letting guide our lives? The Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And just because you're born again doesn't mean your sinful nature just disappears. That flesh is still there going, you want another piece of cake. Even though you know you've had enough. You want a large concrete mixer from Culver's. Instead of a mini one. Right? That's the flesh. It's still, we still battle the flesh. But the Holy Spirit's saying, really? Is that really going to benefit you? Don't do it. Be smart about this. Though free, there remains a tension between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. What God's Word says and what we want to do. What God's Word says and what we want to do. There remains a tension. That tension never leaves. It won't until we're in our glorified bodies. There's a fight going on. War. And what are we fighting with? Pool needles. (laughs) I think I said that because my wife had sewing, the lady sewing thing yesterday, and I don't know how, anyway, pool noodles. I knew what I was saying. I knew what I was thinking, but I wasn't saying what. Anyway. Yeah, pick up the sword. So today we're going to look at this. How do we respond? What, what do the fruits of the Spirit mean for us? We're going to look at that, okay? Would you bow your heads with me one more time? Heavenly Father, again, we, we couldn't do this without you. First of all, thank you again for forgiving us of our sins. Second, thank you for sending you, the Holy Spirit, to come and to minister to us and to guide us into all truth. I pray today, it is my prayer for every person in this room, that you would open our hearts, Lord, help us to feel what you feel, help us to see how you see, hear how you hear, and what you hear. Lord, it's our goal today to be better when we leave than when we first came in. To improve, Lord, from who we were and to who you want us to become. And Lord, we dedicate our lives, our spirit man, to you today in Jesus' name. Now use us to bring you glory and praise and honor. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading from the New Living Testament in verse 19. And I'm only sharing this, many of you know this passage very well, but listen, it's a list of things. Is it all-inclusive? No. It's not intended to be. What he's showing us is this is the sinful nature. All right? So just as you read this with me, just look at it and say, is there a part of me that's in this list? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, Paul said. Sexual immorality. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, 
drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul gives us this list, again, not all-inclusive, but he's identifying a pattern. If this is a lifestyle that you're living, then what? You will not inherit the kingdom of God. So don't, don't be hoodwinked into believing that with this new freedom that you have, that you can go do whatever you want to do. That's not why Christ set us free. He set us free to serve Him. To be an example of who He is. And that leads us to this next part. Verse 22, and this begins the fruit of the Spirit. So read this list with me carefully. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, and those are my highlights, in our lives. And how many are there? Nine. Nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That last one. There is no law, he said, against these. What does that mean? Well, we'll get there. Those who belong to Christ, two more verses. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Where do we put our sins? <laughs> Leave them there. When you nail something up, it's hard to get it back down. Some people, they come to church leave their sins at the altar, and then as soon as they walk out, they come back by here and grab them on their way out. Nail them to the cross. Leave them there. Listen, this is a choice that we all make. Since we are living by the Spirit, again my highlight, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow The Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He's here to guide us. But we do this. Is that you, Holy Spirit? I want to go do. Well, maybe if I don't hear him, this should be so embedded in our heart the right way. That when we think about doing the sinful thing, we're just like appalled by it. Like, wow, how could I even think about What did Jesus do for me? He gave his life for me. Why? So I could have freedom in the Spirit. So I could live for him the rest of my life. And one day, enjoy the beauty of heaven. And while I'm on this earth, Jesus said, I have come to bring you life and life in abundance. Not just a little bit of life, a lot of life. So when you live for him, you actually get more life than you'd get as a sinner. More fulfilled. And I want you to notice that there's a difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We'll get into this, uh, the gifts later. The fruit is singular, the gift is plural, all right? So with the gifts, and, and if you want to, you can look these up. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, that's where you'll find them. With the gifts of the Spirit, you don't get them all, all right? You get some of them. God gives you what the body that you're in needs because the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to build up the church, to edify us. So we don't get all of those. They're given as needed by the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular. And it means that as followers of Christ, we all are expected to have all of the fruit. You don't get to pick and choose which ones you want, which ones you don't. I don't want self-control. 
talked a little bit about that. I wanted the big concrete mixer last night at Culver's. But I went for the little one. And it helped Troy's pocketbook too. Thank you, Troy. By the way. When I was younger, in my stubborn <laughs> temper got in the way where I'd lose my marbles. I'd be so angry and I'd just, ah! I'd blow up with somebody. You know what I'd say to people? Oh, <laughs> I'm German. <laughs> Germans are stubborn. My mom, whoo. Mom, if you had listened to this, sorry. My mother was stubborn. I blamed it on my German DNA, but listen to this. This doesn't cut it in the kingdom of God because once we're born again, we have God's DNA. And that doesn't allow us to, to have these excuses that we often have. Well, you know, that's just who I am. No, that's not who you are in Christ. That's the flesh. And where's the flesh belong? Under our feet. Not controlling us. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And that means, as one that has God's DNA, that we will have all of the fruit. All. Oops. All of those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right. In the kingdom of God, it's all about heart. Remember when I talked about David and Goliath? Why did God choose David? Why did he choose him as the next king? He spoke highly of him because David's heart pounded for God. So I would ask you that. Does your heart pound for God? Galatians 5 shows us the law was established for those who don't know God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Really? Wow. Do you know Him? Come on. Once you do, then you have His heart and you are no longer guided or have to have the law. In fact, according to verse 23... The law no longer controls us because we have his heart. His heart leads you to do the right thing. His heart helps you to refrain from wicked, sinful lifestyles that are contrary to the Word of God. His heart helps you, listen to this, to love people more than yourself. Too many of us are stuck on ourselves. The most important thing to us is us. We're the me, 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 me generation. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. That's us. Look at this country. You know what I'm saying. true. That shouldn't be how we live. When you're filled with God's Spirit, He gets your attention off of yourself and on to others. How can you be a blessing to someone? I want to begin to unpack the nine fruits of the Spirit today, but I just wanted to say here that we're not going to get to all of them. We only have a few we'll get through today. But as you go through these, I want you to ask yourself, and, and just last week Pastor Roger was kind enough to have a little handout for you. I want you to do this mental. Do a mental examination and ask yourself, which of these am I struggling with? At the end, I want to give you a chance to pray. What do you think the first one is? We've already been there. Love, 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 love. How many know how to love? Most of us, at least in a sense of love that we understand. I remember when I was little, maybe you could relate to this, and how many had parents? 
You would get in a fight with one of your siblings, and what did you always do? You blame them. It wasn't me. He started it. Right? Well, let me tell you something. And again, God's kingdom is different than the world. God started it. God started it. God started it. For God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus gave this command, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love. Would you read that with me? Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Say this with me. Your love will prove to the world that you are my disciple. So let me ask you this. Amen. Does your love do that? Or do they watch you and go, what? This is Jesus? What? I don't think I want that kind of stuff. Why is it important that we have the fruit of the Spirit? Because your love will show that you are his disciples. How we treat each other will prove whether or not you are his disciple. How did you treat people this last week? (laughs) Were you mean and cantankerous and ornery? Oh, it's my German. Well, that's just who I am, you know. Wow. The Bible commands us to love. The Bible commands us to love God first. I'm not going to go through these scriptures. The Bible commands us to love ourselves. This next one's a little harder. The Bible commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this last one is the one I don't even like. The Bible commands us to love our enemies. How are you doing with this? In the ancient Greek, there are four types of love, and they are, and I put them up for you, eros, storge, it's actually store, I can't do it, storge, philia, and agape. Eros is characterized by romantic love. I think everybody understands. Storge is family love, uh, parent to child or, or vice versa. Philia is brotherly love. That's the kind of love that you and I have for each other. And agape is God's divine love. Unconditional, meaning his love is given without condition. Every single one of us should exhibit love like this. How many like Dr. Ravi Zacharias? <laughs> the man is brilliant. I said to my son yesterday, I said, I'm just glad he's on our team. Because he is, he's profound in, in his uh, <laughs> illustrations and how he understands Scripture. I recently heard him speak on these four types of love, these ancient forms of love. And he was conversing with a non-Christian. He'd, he'd been asked about how he would respond to an element of our culture today. And and he said this, and I quote, he said, marriage is the only one that pulls these four together. Eros, storge, philia, and agape. The only one. What we did Friday when we married off your sister, your daughter, Elizabeth, is the only ceremony, the only covenant that illustrates and uses all four of these examples. Then he said this, he said, if you take agape out of that, if you take, my words, God out of that, eros is gone. Any departure from this redefines what love is. And that's what we've done today. We've tried to redefine what love is according to how I see it. But it's not our call to do that. God is the one that defined it. 
And we shouldn't try to redefine it. And I love this part. He said, when you say I do to one, you're saying I don't to another. I love that. When you say I will to one, you're saying I won't to another. You ever think of that? And I thought, wow. That's our relationship with him. And then he finished with, this is the sacredness that we find in marriage, end quote. Marriage exhibits all four of these. It's the only thing that does. Marriage represents the same love that God has shown toward us and that we are expected to show toward him and toward our neighbors. Why do you think we're called the bride of Christ? Hello? Who's the groom? Jesus. Why do you think he uses that? Because it encompasses all of these. It's a beautiful illustration of Christ's love. How should you and I love? Unconditionally, brotherly, respectfully, and honorably, and of course, between a husband and wife in the covenant of marriage romantically. I have to add that last part today. Recently, and, and I'm kind of moving a little bit, shifting a little bit, but listen, bear with me. I started rereading, how many have seen this book, Tortured for Christ? Anybody read it in here? A couple of you. Wormbrand was a Christian who was tortured for his faith over 14 years in, in communist Romanian prisons. If you want to rock your American world, if you want to experience the kind of pain that he and many of our brothers and sisters experience yet today across this globe, then read this man's book. It shows us what it was like to be persecuted and what it's still like today. You won't be the same afterwards. I know it, it, it literally just stopped me in my tracks. I was going one direction and God just melted me down. I want to share some of this brother's testimony because he really shows us what it means to love. And, and honestly, I'm not going through nearly anything that he, oh my gosh, his, his, the things he, they did to this man. But he actually highlights using someone else what does it mean to love unconditionally? Do you think you know? <laughs> I don't. For most, it's easy to love God. It's easy to love family. It's even easy to love most of your friends. But what about your enemies? Those who have inflicted pain upon you. How do you love them? Remember, this is a fruit of the Spirit. Wormbrand showed me that he knew what it meant to forgive someone unconditionally. You see, he was beaten, he was starved, he was tortured like no other person could relate to. Very few could relate to what he went through. This man was given one piece of bread every week and a cup of dirty soup. That was his sustenance. And then in between, they'd beat him till he was knocked unconscious. They'd burn him. They'd do atrocious things. I, I don't need to go into that. And then he, this is the part. Oh, this is the part that got me. He said every, every tenth week, they would tithe. They'd give a, their piece of bread and their soup to one of the weaker brethren. I'm thinking, how much weaker can you be? But out of their love. Because they knew that if they didn't, this one brother who was dying would die. Maybe that was a good thing in the conditions they were in. But their deep love for God and each other was revealed through that sacrificial act you know I'm ashamed <laughs> at how many times I said man I'm starving dinner ready yeah I've gone a whole six hours 
Oh, I'm starving. I'm, how am I going to make it to dinner? To set the stage for where I wanted to go, I wanted to quote this graphic description that this brother paints for us. And it, it, he's actually talking about something that happened in China. If you've, You'll probably know what it is. The world was horrified about what happened in the streets of China. In view of everyone, the Red Guard exercised its terror. Now try to imagine what happens to Christians in a giant Chinese jail where no one else sees. He said, I heard that when a renowned Christian Excuse me. I heard that when a renowned Chinese evangelical writer and other Christians refused to deny their faith, their captors cut off their ears, their tongues, and even their legs. Then Richard gave this picture of the persecuted Christian and how they would respond to their torturers with this love that we call agape, unconditional without condition. And he said, a flower, if you bruise it under your feet, rewards you by giving you its perfume. (laughs) Likewise, Christians, tortured by the communists or whoever, rewarded their torturers by love. Richard said, we brought many of our jailers to Christ because of this love. And we are dominated by one desire to give communists who have made us suffer the best we have. The salvation that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I, I was in a pub for a while. I had to really stop. God, who am I? What have I had to go through? Thank you for people who are so driven by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what they're going through. Their reaction is love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. A love that cannot be defined by words. It can only be shown through selfless acts that few men will ever understand. Go ahead. Try and love your enemies like Christ first loved you. Go ahead. Live a life as you serve, live a life of love as you serve your brothers and sisters in the church. It's key that we love each other. It has to start here because this is how the world judges us. And when they hear us backbiting and fighting and not being able to get along in the church, it just gives them the excuse I don't want that nonsense. We need to love each other. If, if they believe Jesus Christ died for their sins and you're going to go to heaven as a result, not just died for your sins, but rose from the dead, if they believe that, then leave them alone. Maybe some of their other theology is different than yours. Just shut up about it. What's important is that people go to heaven And there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. And if we muck up the waters with that one, there are going to be people who miss it because of our poor example of how we love each other. Number two, joy. I got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Where? Yeah. It's important to understand, though, that there's a difference between joy and happiness. And I'm not smart enough to to know what that is, so I'm going to quote Dr. Christopher Benick about the, the difference. Happiness, he said, oops, happiness is an emotion in which we experience feelings ranging from contentment and satisfaction to bliss and intense pleasure. Whereas joy is a stronger, less common feeling than happiness. And and this is the part I want you to catch. We experience joy when we achieve selflessness to the point of personal sacrifice. And what I talked about with uh, Richard Wurmbrandt is a perfect example. We feel joy, he said, when we are spiritually connected 
to God or people. One of the other things I'll share real quick about the book that I I showed you is that Richard said that when they were persecuted, the joy of the Lord filled them. And it isn't that they didn't feel pain, but they didn't care. Because they were doing what they knew God had called them to do. And that's so important to understand. Happiness will not do that for you. I was just talking to one of our men in our discipleship group the other day. When you do for others, you you come away from that feeling good about yourself. How many know what I'm talking about? Even like this this, uh, MSP thing, the picnic. We weren't doing that to get anything out of it other than to be able to serve these men and women who give their lives every single day to protect us. The only thing we wanted in return was just the feeling of being able to give something away like that, to be a blessing to others. Yesterday morning, and listen, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm, it happened, and I didn't think about it until this morning. I'm coming up 27 to come into town to go to camp, and there's this guy on the side of the road, and, and I could tell he, he wasn't uh, walking very well, and he, he did one of these. You know what I'm talking about. One of these. He didn't hold his clicker out. He held his thumb. So I stopped. Nobody was with me. The front of my truck was empty. And Hey, come on. Where are you going? I'm going to Sugar Bowl. I said, come on, get in. And we talked all the way into town. And, and I got to know him. But he'd had a stroke 35 years ago. And everything changed in that moment for him. And now I wish I'd thought to say a prayer for him, but that didn't come to me until after he got out of the truck. But my point is I felt good about picking this man up and, and taking him a few miles into town. I could do that. That's what joy is. All right? You with me? Let me ask you this. Have you ever paused and thought, where would I be were it not for Christ? What would my life consist of? How many of my family would love Jesus today? Where would they be? Would I even be alive? I have to ask that. Our joy comes to us when we're connected vertically with God. Our joy is a part of that relationship. He gives us hope, and that hope results in joy. Anyone know who said the joy of the Lord is our strength? Who? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Everybody go, Nehemiah. Yeah, there you go. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When Nehemiah wrote this, the Jewish people had been judged by God for turning their backs on him, and as a result, the Lord allowed the Jewish people to be captured by their enemies and driven from their homeland. They'd lost everything, and many of them were thrown into slave-like conditions and taken to countries where they didn't even know the language. In this passage, the Lord had given Nehemiah permission to go back to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild the city. Let me ask you this. How would you feel if you and your family were carted off by the Chinese? And I'm only picking on them just as an example. It's been in the news lately. But how would you feel if the Chinese or the Russians came and took your family off to their country to be slaves? Would you feel joyful? And yet, that's what Nehemiah was telling the people. Doesn't matter what your circumstance is. If you're connected with him, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Richard Wormbrandt, the joy of the Lord was his strength. Hello? You're getting awful quiet on me. How could any of God's people be expected to be joyful when facing extenuating circumstances like this? 
Rachel Gilson wrote in her article in DesiringGod.org, the day God reaffirmed to them that they were still his chosen people and he was still their God, that is a joy that could impart strength. You're still with me. Their joy came from knowing that God still loved them. He hadn't turned his back on them. They were not hopeless people. Where do you get your joy? I believe it comes from God, especially the knowing that he still loves us. John 17, 12 to 13, Jesus said, while I was with them, I protected them, kept them safe by that name you gave me. How did Jesus keep us safe by that name? Jesus. None has been lost except that one doomed to destruction so the scriptures would be fulfilled. What's this say to me? God's got you. I don't care what you're going through today. God's got you. You aren't in this alone, brother or sister. God's got you. By the way, 11 of the 12 went on to be martyred. But I'm promising you this. They had the joy of the Lord right up until they took the last breath. And my guess is they also said to their persecutors and their torturers, I forgive you. Verse 13, I am coming to you now, meaning I'm coming to the Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. This isn't something that, that, that's elusive to us. We should have it. Jesus died for it. I want you to get this part. His joy came from knowing that through his death and resurrection, we would have life and life in abundance, you and me. Our joy comes from knowing that God's got this. Once we belong to him, nothing can snatch us away. Pastor Roger loves quoting this. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No, power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. Joy then comes from knowing that God is for you and not against you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the final one, and this will be brief, peace. Peace. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. It's one thing to have peace when it's peaceful. But about when all hell breaks loose against you? How do you respond when life gets ugly and goes in the complete opposite direction of where you thought it was going to go? Anybody been there, done that? That's when you truly see what you and me, what God's people are made of. It's in the heat of the moment that you know where that person's faith rests if you really believe, if you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. How many know this is true? Say amen. amen. Did you know that most of the old hymns were written in the hardest of times? <laughs> For example, it is well with my soul. Penned by Horatio Spafford. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's close. When he wrote this, he'd gone through some of the most horrendous experiences that any of us could ever go through. Living in or near the Chicago area, he had invested heavily in real estate. And then the Chicago fire hit, 1871. It wasn't long before he realized he was in trouble. You see, they didn't have insurance back then. <laughs> there was nobody there to say, oh, brother, yeah, you're covered. You're in God's hands. No. If that wasn't enough, two years later, things were improving, and he and his family decided, you know what, we've been wanting to go to Europe. He had four daughters. He and his wife 
decided they were going to go to Europe and see the beautiful cities that they'd heard about. Two years later, the economy tanked like it has here so many times. So instead of going with his family, he said, you know what, i got to tie up some loose ends. So he sent them ahead like they often did. Now, there was only one way to get there back then. There was none of this. Well, there was, but it was in a boat. So he put his family on a ship, and they began to sail across the Atlantic when the unheard of happened. The ship ran into another ship, and their vessel sank. (laughs) When Horatio got the word that his four daughters had passed, only his wife survived, he immediately headed toward her. He wanted to be with his grieving wife. And as he crossed the Atlantic and neared that place where he believed his daughters had sank, that's when he penned this hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, he said, It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet through trial, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It goes on. I don't need to read any more, but you get the idea. He penned this in the middle of one of the most Horrific events any of us could ever face. Not only did he lose one, but he lost four children all at the same time. Thou hast taught me to say, he said, it is well. It is well with my soul. In Hebrew, shalom means peace. In the New Testament, it means it is well with my soul. Peace means it is well with my soul. Can you say that with me? Peace means it is well with my soul. Any other form of peace is but a masquerade, a counterfeit, and eventually will give way to conflict and turmoil. This reminds me, and I'm going to close with this, of of an old saying from the 80s, and I've shown this before. I had it on my car for years. No Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W. No Jesus, no peace. When I began, if you'd stand, I asked you to do a mental inventory of what fruits of the Spirit you might be struggling with today. How'd you do? I know for me, and again, I've been... I fought this all week because I've been working on this. And I've realized, God, I am, oh, I've so let you down. Do you only love those who love you back? Or can you say with all sincerity, I love those who hate me? I love those who have hated me. I love my enemies. What about joy? Do you have the joy of the Lord? Is is His joy your strength? And finally, peace. That peace that comes even amidst the storms of life. Do you shine when you face adversity? Because that's what people look for. (laughs) They do. They want to see us survive. Not just survive, but thrive. They want to see us victorious. Because why? Because if we can do it, then it means maybe they can too. We are the people of the hope, the people with the hope. And we should exhibit, at the very least, love, joy, and peace as God describes it. How are we doing? If you'd bow your heads just briefly. If you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I think there's some areas here I need work with. Would you pray with me?
I'm not embarrassing anybody, but if that's you, just lift your hand up so I can see. Yep, hands go up. Thank you. Put them down. I'm including myself in this prayer. I just admit it. I'm not perfect. I know you guys know that. But today, man, I, I just, I was wrecked when I read some of the things our brothers and sisters have done as they have exhibited and lived the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be like that. I don't necessarily want to go through all that pain and persecution, but I want to be like them. I want people to be able to say, it doesn't matter what that man goes through, see, God is with him. If that's you, lift your hands. Father, we just come to you today admitting our weaknesses, not because I'm German, but because I'm human. Lord, I know that Originally, our DNA came from Adam and Eve, but you made them too. There was a part of you in them. And Lord, today I pray you'd take that, that God-sized hole that's in each one of us and you'd fill it, Lord, with your spirit today. That you would renew a right spirit within us, Lord, that, that we would begin to live for you like we should be. And when the Holy Spirit gives us advice, tells us, when to, to, to go to the left or the right or straight through, Lord, that we would listen and not be so stubborn-hearted to say, no, I don't want to do that today. That we would be people that you would be proud of, Lord. That we wouldn't be like the Jews during Nehemiah's time where because they turned their backs on you. All the things you'd given them, they turned their backs on you. They denied you and went after idols, little gods. Let that not be us today. Lord, I come against the spirit of pornography in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of greed. Lord, I come against the spirit of hatred in the name of Jesus and all that that represents. May we as your people be filled with your spirit, Holy Spirit. Purify us today and change us to, into the people that you call us, you've called us to be. May we live for you, Lord, every minute of every day that we have left to bring you glory and praise and honor. May we love you. May we love the church. May we love our enemies, even as you first loved us when we were yet sinners. And may we exhibit the joy of the Lord as our strength. And may your peace be with us. That peace that comes from knowing we are saved. Lord, bless these people today. Help us with this, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you say amen? That concludes today's message. Now what are you going to do with it? Don't you dare come back up here and grab something off of this altar that you laid down already. You go out there and you live for him. Amen? We'll begin this again, mm, I'm not sure yet. Maybe next week, but Father's Day's next week. So don't forget... Troy already got me a, a fishing pole. Thank you, Troy. Again. And a concrete mixer. Love your dads this week. Do it before Sunday. They'll be blessed. Father, keep us safe in our coming and our going. We just pray that you would re-infuse us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.